You ready? Yep. Are you already recording? I've been recording. Hey, Jane. Got a minute, eight seconds. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> I know how to do it. Okay. Hi, this is Jess, and you're listening to Trafficked. This is Sadie. She made me do the intro. I did. This is a Jess takeover. It is. You're welcome. Today, we are going to be deep diving into the trafficking crimes of the United States of America Gymnastics and all of their key players and the things that they really let slide for a long time at the expense of their athletes. I am so excited to hear all of the research and to deep dive into this because I think USA Gymnastics has absolutely cultivated an environment where not only young women were abused, Mm -hmm. but some of the most talented young women in the whole country. Absolutely doesn't make this any more hurtful. A trafficked victim's a trafficked victim. A sexually abused victim is a sexually abused victim. But to know that these girls were, I don't know, trained in such a way that their everything and reputation and potential Olympic medals rested right. on their abuse, that's something I can't even fathom. So I'm so excited to hear more about it. And after watching Athlete A, mm-hmm. you and I both as former athletes kind of had to- Take some time off. <laughs> take some time and reflect on the cultures in which we were embedded just as high school aged athletes. Absolutely. But you and I, to be fair, mm-hmm. both had some specialty athletic things that we were into. Exactly. So we trained at a higher and more intense, I don't want to say caliber, that sounds pretentious. A, mo- a more intense level. We were though, yeah. I yeah. was training in a gym six days a week from the time I was out of school. Right. Until at least it was dark outside. Exactly. Like school happened literally through the night. I mean, you were doing MMA fighting. That was, yeah, that was the most physically taxing time I've ever been through. I was a dancer. And you can't eat as well. Like everything you do is like dance or the fight. You know what I mean? Like it controls every aspect of you. So I can't even imagine these gymnasts. I'm just ready. I'm excited. Why it hit us so hard is because the culture encompasses every single part of these athletes and is so a part of their identity. Right. It it blurs so many lines between Mm -hmm. what is abuse and what is going to get me to my athletic and my professional goals. This is these women's careers. Right. So I'd like to deep dive into all of the different people and organizations that were involved in what is a lot more commonly known as the Larry Nasser case. Yes. Because he was the key sexual abuser. But there were so many different people who allowed and aided and abetted his crimes Mm -hmm. and especially profited off of those crimes. Right. So let's get started. Do you want to put this under your mic too? Sorry, just as an extra. Yes, I'm trying to speak up. No, you're doing great. I was just looking at the agency book and the other book, and I was like, I got thicker textbooks. We could add that. You have some textbooks, girl. So let's start with USAG. The United States of America Gymnastics is the national governing body for gymnastics in the United States until 2018. It was established in 1963, and it includes the women's artistic gymnastics, men's artistic gymnastics, rhythmic gymnastics, trampoline and tumbling, acrobatic gymnastics, aerobic gymnastics, and group gymnastics branches. Women's artistic is obviously the most prominent and well-known division of the USAG. These are the young women that we see going to the Olympics and to national competitions pretty frequently and are usually winning silver medals, gold medals, and being very prominently featured in the Olympics. Women's artistic gymnastics includes the vault, uneven bars, balance beam, and floor exercise events. Cool. In 2016, on their 
What is everyone always telling Donald Trump to turn over? Back to turns. Returns, thank you. Okay. Uh. I didn't even finish it. I was like, I don't understand what you're looking for. In 2016, USAG's tax returns, because they do publish those online, reported a total revenue of just under $64 million. Wow, okay. Yeah, so a hugely prominent organization, not just financially, but also within the gymnastics sphere and on a global scale. They're definitely creating a culture. A culture for yep. sure. And profiting off of it. Mm -hmm. Like they decide what athletes go where to what competitions and what athletes are in what advertisements and that sort of thing. So weird. Yeah. That's a lot of power. It's a lot of power. Michigan State University is also very deeply embedded into this case. It's a public university in East Lansing, Michigan. Their undergraduate enrollment as of 2021 is just under 40,000 students. Their football team competes in the NCAA D1 Big Ten Conference mm -hmm. and has won six national championships. Their basketball team has won two national championships and is consistently in the final four okay. of March Madness. That's kind of cool. They're one of the largest universities in the United States in terms of enrollment, and they boast 23 sports programs, 11 for men and 12 for women obviously including gymnastics. Right. The Carolis are two Romanian gymnastics coaches, Bella Caroli and Marta Caroli. They met Bella's senior year of college when he coached the women's gymnastics team and the star of that team was Marta. They later started a relationship and they married in 1963. Bella is really famous because Romania had this centralized training program that put out a bunch of really, really successful gymnasts on the global scale. Yeah. And weren't they the winners forever? Forever. It was like their field. You couldn't compete against, what was it, the Romanian gymnasts? Right. And Bella and Marta really helped develop that program in the late 60s, early 70s. They famously coached Nadia Comeci, mm -hmm. who won the gold at age 14. Before that, we saw a lot of women competing in the sport of gymnastics. And Nadia Comeci really made it more to where the idealized gymnast was very small, very thin, teenage age, and very delayed puberty type body. Sure. The two ultimately had to defect to the United States in 1981. They were granted asylum in Oklahoma. What? Yeah. Soon joined by their daughter. After their defection, the Corollis established a gym in Texas. Because Bella was known as Nadia's coach and Marta was more the behind the scenes choreographer, okay. they quickly attracted a lot of gymnasts to their gym. By the late 1980s, the Caroli Gym had become the preeminent training facility in the U.S. So in 1999, Bella was named the national team coordinator for the U.S. women's gymnastics team. But his approach was so protested and resisted that that didn't last for very long. Who was it? Just because he was so strict. And we'll get in a little bit more to the Romanian centralized training program style in yeah. a bit. But because people, like coaches and gymnasts were so resistant to his style, in 2001, the position was handed over to Marta until the 2016 Olympics, which we know those five gymnasts called themselves the final five yes. because they were going to be the last group that trained under Marta. That's ominous. Ominous. Is it? Just before all of the Larry Nassar scandals came out. Were her yeah. final students victims? Yes. Oh my God. So That's final students included Allie Raceman, Simone Biles, and Gabby Douglas, all of whom have since come out. Where's Michaela Maroney fit in? Is she after she was before? 2012. Her London. She was before. Mm -hmm. So Stephen Penny is another name you're going to hear a lot. Stephen Penny Jr. is a businessman who joined USA Gymnastics in March 1999. 
as the senior vice president, overseeing a variety of areas focused on business development like marketing and attracting advertisers. In 2005, he was appointed president and CEO of USAG, and he remained in that position until 2017. In 2016, on those USAG tax returns, Steve Penny reported an income of, of $625-269. So he's making a significant amount of money. Yeah. John Gerald Gettert was born December 21st, 1957 and graduated in 1980 from Central Michigan University. He was the head coach of the Great Lakes Gymnastics Club in Lansing, Michigan. And in 1996, he founded Twisters which is a very, very prominent gymnastics club. He ultimately went on to work for USAG and be a coach for Olympic teams and national teams. That's insane. I didn't realize when you were researching it that he was also like a gymnast coach Yeah, himself. I thought he was like a doctor. No, no, no. He's the coach. Hurt. Yeah. And finally, our star dirtbag, Larry Gerard Nasser. That's a stupid middle name. (laughs) He was born August 16th, 1963. He studied kinesiology at the University of Michigan and graduated in 1985. At the time, he worked for the university's football and track and field teams. So he was working as an athletic trainer from the time he was in high school for different teams. He began working as an athletic trainer for USA Gymnastics for their national team in 1986. In 1993, he graduated from Michigan State University's College of Osteopathic Medicine with his DO. In 1996, he married Stephanie Lynn Anderson. The two had two daughters and a son. He completed his residency training in family practice at St. Lawrence Hospital before completing a fellowship in sports medicine in 1997. So he worked as an assistant professor at Michigan State University's Department of Family and Community Medicine. He started this in 1997 and he earned a six-figure salary. Okay. Nasser is listed as a co-author on at least six research papers on the treatment of gymnastics injuries. He began working as the team doctor at Holt High School in 96. In 98, he began working as a volunteer with John Getter at Twisters, the gymnastics training club. And in addition to their professional relationship, the two were very close personal friends. He served as the national medical coordinator for USA Gymnastics from 1996 until 2015 when he abruptly stepped down from his position a year before these accusations would be made public. He said that he did that in order to focus on his practice and to run for a Holt school board in November of 2016, which is where his kids went to school. And this was all amidst his accusations of sexual assault. He still got about 22% of the votes. I hate people who don't listen to anything. (laughs) Me too. Like you have all the evidence, you have all the proof, you have all of the accusers and the criminal process happening as well. And there will always still be someone that's like, I don't know. He looks nice to me. It's months after the fact. I have very little patience for that. USAG actually allowed him to step down and release the statement of why he was stepping down through email correspondence that he had with them. After he sent them graphic videos of him quote-unquote performing medical procedures on young women in which he was sexually assaulting them at the same time. He sent them to who? The USA Gymnastics officials. Okay, cool. So everyone knew what was happening. Yeah. In the same email, USAG officials said they were prepared to discuss different approaches, such as him being too sick to attend. He still remained a team doctor. I don't understand how you don't think this is a PR nightmare at minimum if you're just a business. Say you have no morality and you don't give a fuck about children. Right. How did you not look at this like, wow, no one wants to be the place who enables a child predator. Right. That's not cute. I have to assume that sexual predators are so rampant within USAG. I think they thought if we have to get rid of one, we have to get rid of so many. Oh my God. At that point, burn the fucking building down then. Yeah. Burn it down. Burn it down. What is worth salvaging if that's what 
it is. I'd rid USA Gymnastics of the pedophiles, but then what would be remaining? Physical and emotional abusers. Oh my God. (laughs) You're right. So getting into the culture of USA Gymnastics a little bit so we can better understand how all of this abuse was able to happen. Yes. So gymnastics at the elite level, like we talked about, puts teenage girls in the face of really intense physical training Mm -hmm. and the absolute height of competition. Joan Ryan is an author who focused on gymnastics and figure skating environments at the Olympic level. And she has called it, quote, legal celebrated child abuse. Oh my God. Gymnasts are desperate to not only maintain their skills, but improve, to impress their coaches and their trainers in order to be more likely to compete and to become celebrated athletes. Like at the end of the day, that's their goal. Right. They're going to do what they think is necessary to get there. Right. That's what they're pursuing. And they're also children. Most are under 18. At the most, they're in their early 20s. And when you grow up and embedded in this culture of abuse, you think it's normal. Right. And because the girls are so young when they enter, they're less likely to argue. That's horrifying. Research also indicates that the younger the, quote, age of achievement is within a sport, so that kind of idealized age that we talked about with a niche, that age 14, age 16 type thing, the more likely sexual abuse is to occur. Oh my God. Gymnastics is a really expensive and time-consuming sport. Their parents are literally going into debt for their daughters to be abused. Entire families have to be dedicated to a gymnast. Right. People will take out second mortgages and coordinate carpools and entire families will have to go out of town for weekends at a time to support one member. I mean, are the girls homeschooled? Often. Yeah, because they have trained so often, Mm -hmm. right? So that adds additional pressure. And a fear of disappointing others and of stepping out of that ideal gymnast mold. I don't know. If my parents had taken out a second mortgage on my home for me to compete, Mm -hmm. I can't imagine a scarier situation in which to come forth with what happened to you. Exactly. Already hard enough without genuine fear of it all being for nothing. Mm -hmm. Gymnastics is one of those sports that engages the whole body and really looks at every movement of every body part. So athletes are really often put on super strict diets to help maintain certain body weights and those really clean lines that you imagine when you think of a really muscular, thin dancer. Mm -hmm. Sorry, a really muscular, thin gymnast. Probably interchangeable, but yes. Mm -hmm. Injuries are often ignored or belittled by coaches and trainers. Girls will visit doctors or physical therapists up to several times a day to help maintain injuries so that they can continue to train and compete. How does that make any sense? It doesn't. Okay. And the standard of the sport dating back to at least the 70s, but especially after the Corollis came to the States, is to be as cruel as necessary to obtain what you need from that athlete. So first touching on John Gettert. Many former gymnasts have described Gettert's coaching style as intense, strict, very abusive. Former gymnasts can recount that Gettert repeatedly told them to kill themselves. What? Yeah. He was known to throw items in his gym when he got angry. On one occasion, he shoved a gymnast forcefully enough for her to sustain a black eye, ruptured lymph nodes in her neck, and torn muscles in her stomach. That doesn't sound like a push. How does... I'm sorry. I can't even envision a push in which somebody would have torn stomach muscles and crushed lymph nodes. That sounds like he choked her. It's fucked up. If I'm silent, it's not because I don't have a comment. It's because my jaw's on the floor and it's taking me a second to pick it up and find my footing again because I feel like I'm on Mars. It's so insane and otherworldly that this was the norm for so many girls and young women. I know people joke that there are no laws in the airport, but it's terrifying to think that this was genuinely a lawless zone Mm -hmm. for predatorial men and women Mm -hmm. to abuse children under the guise of legitimacy. Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. And people were praising them and funding them. 
because they made what Olympians. They got the U.S. gold medals and they made a pretty penny. It's fascinating Get how it? many. Pristine yeah, penny. that's disgusting. Penny. It's crazy how many countries are fighting with that. Yeah, citizens mm -hmm. to win gold. Yeah, mm, not my favorite. In 2013, Getter was under criminal investigation for his abusive treatment of gymnasts. And while there was enough evidence to press criminal charges against him, the Eaton County Prosecutor's Office allowed him to instead seek counseling. Why? When was that? 2013. That December, one of Getter's former employees contacted USA Gymnastics and informed them about his abusive behavior. And the organization wrote a letter to Getter addressing their concerns with his behavior. The back of his gym had a private bathroom where Nasser, as a volunteer, worked with, treated, and of course, sexually abused gymnasts at Twisters. Getting a little bit more into the Corollis, Marta did maintain some aspects of Bella's original program, but her approaches were different enough that they were generally more acceptable to gymnasts and their coaches. Was she the wife? Mm -hmm. I don't mean to be bitchy, but was this one of those things where they're like, your husband's too scary. Why don't you do everything he was doing? Because people will take it from a woman better. Was that what happened? I think you also have to understand Marta Caroli was a very successful gymnast in her own right. Yes. So maybe she would always kind of took the backstage role. Yeah in the Corollis until 2001. When she needed to be the right. face because they weren't going to fly with her husband being it. Basically. I have to assume. Okay. So as coordinator, Marta oversaw all aspects of the women's national team. And the nationals team camp was at Corolli Ranch in Huntsville, Texas. Among her duties were selecting athletes for competitions, determining apparatus lineups at the meets, and making recommendations about skills and routine compositions. So at the ranch, athletes trained seven hours a day with daily rankings. They did not allow parents or visitors onto the property, and there was little to no cell phone reception. Several girls can recall the intense pressure and intense training sessions because not only were their personal coaches at the camp, but so were nationals coaches and your competition. No. And I believe it was Maggie Nichols who recalled when Marta would come out of her office, the girls would immediately stand up, run into a line, tallest to shortest. Like you were silent. You did not speak during training. You, you were there to train. Right. And obey. Yeah. Sounds Carole like a military base. Yeah. The Caroli's daughter, Andrea, was the nutritionist for the team. Daily weigh-ins were very normal. The culture at its core was one of fear, and it was very political. To speak of the environment at the camp meant, at the end of the day, you wouldn't be put on the team. Mm -hmm. Here as well, there was a quote-unquote back room where Nasser would treat and abuse gymnasts, despite not having a license to practice medicine in the state of Texas. Awesome. I bet the Texans loved that. Probably. <laughs> Probably not, but... Larry Nasser was, of course, not the first sexual predator to be within the USAG community. United States Gymnastics frequently ignored accusations of physical and sexual abuse. One example is a coach that had complaints lodged against him in 1998. The file including the quote that he should be locked in a cage before he rapes someone. You From who? Who said that? It was a complainant. It was an unidentified complainant. That was the complaint lodged against him. Got you. USAG did nothing to apprehend the coach, and he went on to abuse other young athletes. When questioned about USAG practices in 2014, President Penny claimed under oath that he, quote, inherited an executive policy of dismissing complaints as hearsay, unless that complaint was signed by the victim or the victim's parents. That doesn't even make sense legally. 
Right. And he openly admitted that they did not turn over allegations to authorities, wavering to handle allegations internally. To clarify, once and for all, that's absolutely illegal. There are mandatory reporting laws in every single state. You're supposed to always, always report anything about child sexual abuse. They said that they did this because USA Gymnastics was technically a third party to accusations. That's not even almost true. And this was also due to concern of damaging a coach's reputation if the report was false, which I am, for one, so fucking sick and tired of hearing. I don't understand why people who contribute nothing to their profession aside from a wake of victims and their path are allowed to have grace where no woman who or child i don't regardless of gender Mm -hmm. any child that was near you was hurt Mm -hmm. and has to recover for most of their life if not like their adolescence like let's say you heal from it which is not even always guaranteed Mm -hmm. and that you i don't know i can't even freaking fathom somebody saying we're a third party or what if it was false like what if it wasn't Mm -hmm. though i don't know how people go to sleep at night knowing that that's the counter argument In 2016, the Indianapolis Star ran an expose on USA Gymnastics and the way that they, in so many ways, failed to protect young athletes from sexual abuse and to report allegations to the authorities as is mandated by every state, but definitely the states of Indiana, which is where USAG headquarters are, Texas, which is where the Crowley Ranch is, and Michigan, which is where a lot of Larry Nassar's abuse happened. Oh, that's a civil procedures professor's wet dream. That's (laughs) disgusting. The star ultimately uncovered more than 360 covered up cases and sexual misconduct files on 54 coaches. Oh my God. Yeah. So I'm going to go into some of those. Okay. The national team coach named Don Peters was well known within the community to be a sexual predator. In 2011, USAG received a detailed complaint about Marvin Sharp the 2010 National Women's Coach of the Year. What the fuck? Four years later, USAG did report Sharp to the police after receiving another allegation where Sharp was touching a gymnast's vagina, trimming her pubic hair, and taking sexually explicit pictures of her beginning when she was 12 years old. He was charged in federal court and ultimately killed himself in jail. Shocking. We have never seen that before. Just kidding. You know my feelings about it. There's a whole bunch of USAG complaints about Mark Schaefelbein, who was charged with molesting a Tennessee girl when she was 10. The girl's family first contacted police in 2002. He penetrated her with his finger multiple times. He also videotaped her exposed vagina for training purposes, so he would know where not to touch her. What? There was a history of complaints against Schaefelbaum before he even was near this girl, and it was only brought to light because prosecutors subpoenaed the records from USAG. And that's why you're not a third party when you're facilitating the abuse and providing the victims with the abuser in the environment in which they can do it. Exactly. With no accountability. And their parents aren't allowed? Yeah, go fuck yourself. You're absolutely a party to that. You're not a third party. Yeah, Schaefelbahn is serving a 36-year prison sentence. James Bell had at least five years of a misconduct complaint file before his 2003 arrest in Rhode Island. The first of these complaints was in 1990. He went on the run in 2004, ultimately pleaded guilty in Newport County, Rhode Island, to three counts of child molestation and is serving eight years in prison. USAG Gymnastics received several complaints about William McCabe in as early as 1998. Oh, this is the guy. William McCabe is the guy who they said someone should 
lock him okay. in a cage with his rage. USA Gymnastics never reported the allegations to the police. And he went on to coach for seven more years until allegations were brought to the FBI because a mom found concerning emails to her 11-year-old daughter. He was charged with molestation, secretly videotaping the girls changing, and posting their naked pictures on the internet. He is serving a 30-year sentence. I just don't even have any words. I'm horrified. Yeah. So this is the environment that USAG created. Right. And allowed to happen over and over and over again. Gattert's gym, USAG, and Michigan State University, unfortunately, were no different with Larry Nasser. He would frequently assault young women and girls, saying that he was giving them medical treatments for pain and injuries. He did this to gymnasts, as well as dancers, softball players, and volleyball players. Oh my god. Ultimately, 300 women and girls and one male athlete, as of May 2018, came forward. Alana Vagianos pointed out in an article that she wrote on the issue that this was nearly as many victims as the Jerry Sandusky, Bill Cosby, and Harvey Weinstein scandals combined. That is like abusing someone every day that you've had your licensure. Mm -hmm. On one occasion, Getter, the coach, is said to have walked in on Nasser abusing an athlete where he proceeded to make a joke about the gymnast injury before leaving the room for the abuse to continue. I hate it here. Nasser's victims said that he made them feel special or privileged because of his position with USA Gymnastics. As a volunteer? That doesn't make any sense. In gymnastics, injuries are known to end careers. And so these very, very young girls and women trust their doctors and coaches to rehabilitate them and make their bodies able to continue in the sport. And these athletes were told over and over again by USA Gymnastics that the officials within the organization, that they should feel lucky to be treated by Nasser because he's such a good doctor. You're so lucky he volunteers with us. You should be grateful that he's the one treating you. Nasser is grateful to be near an Olympic athlete, but okay. And honestly, a lot of the girls admit that they did look forward to treatment because they were calling Nasser as the only kind adult around them. I want to vomit with that statement. Everyone else was so physically and emotionally abusive to them that they saw Nasser as the time in their day where they'd be around someone who made them laugh, who fed them, and did treat their injuries to an extent. But also abused them and told them it was medical treatment they should be grateful for. Right. I'm trying more to yeah. show from young girls. No, for sure. I was just thinking of, he was literally like, well, I'm a doctor. This is for you. Well, and the worst part is I would buy that is then thing. If I was 11, yeah. someone told me that, even if I knew it was really fucking weird and didn't feel right, I might for half a second be like, he's a doctor. And the worst part is he knew how abusive the entire environment was. And he used that to his advantage. So he could be the funny guy, mm -hmm. the nice guy. You'd right. like to hang out with me in my office. Right. No, just gross. It's disgusting. He had a website, gymnasticsdoctor.com in which he had hundreds of videos detailing his treatment with little girls. And he made great use of his medical vocabulary and anatomical terms in some attempt to validate the treatments he was using. His office walls were covered in the famous gymnasts that he treated. And he would often discuss the health of other gymnasts with other athletes, young athletes, athletes who weren't as famous or prominent as the ones he was discussing with the Corollis or other figures in the USAG. It's a huge HIPAA violation. It's a huge HIPAA violation. But he did it because that makes little girls look at him and say, he's so good. He treats them. I'm so special. Yeah, I believe that. Fucking disgusting. It is fucking disgusting. So I'm going to go into two accusations to Larry Nasser 
before the larger accusations came out following the 2016 Indiana Star article. Okay. Olympic gold medalist and world champion Michaela Maroney detailed the very first time Larry Nasser worked with her when she was 13 was also the first time he molested her. She was the reason I got into watching U.S. gymnasts. Really? Mm-hmm. It was Michaela Maroney. People told me I smirked like her. Please keep going. I have the most respect for her. And so whenever I heard that she was involved in a non-disclosure agreement, it's all I know about it. I was just more heartbroken for her. She said that the abuse was constant and happened hundreds of times. She would tell her to put on shorts with no underwear and then put his ungloved fingers inside of her. Quote, he said that no one would understand this or the sacrifice it takes to get to the Olympics. So you can't tell people this. I actually was like, that makes sense. I don't want to tell anyone this. And I didn't believe that they would understand. She said she thought she was being let in on a secret to Olympic success. He would take photos of her and schedule extended sessions with her. Quote, it really did feel like I needed him. It felt like I would have starved at the Olympics if I didn't have him bring me food. Your coaches are just always watching you and wanting to keep you skinny. There are other things about the culture that is also so messed up that he used against us. She detailed that literally he would bring her a loaf of bread so that she would have food. Trigger warning. Said that one night in Tokyo at age 15, he abused her in a hotel room and quote, went overboard. Quote, I was bawling naked on a bed, him on top of me, and I thought I was going to die. She told Getter, who was at the time coaching the national team and others in a car ride what Nasser had done in graphic detail. An unidentified older gymnast shut her down and continues to claim to sources that it never happened and get it remained completely silent. In her non-disclosure agreement, she reportedly faced a $100,000 fine if she spoke out against Nasser as part of her $1.25 billion settlement. I don't understand how we live in a country where you can look at a young girl and tell her to sign a non-disclosure agreement against the man who hurt her and took her innocence and childhood away. Sure, she was an Olympic medalist. It's incredible. She's so inspiring, but no amount of money makes what happened to her okay. And the fact that part of that very, I don't want to say earned, that's fucked up, but very owed restitution to her for her pain and suffering. Like the fact that part of that is not having the ability to stand up and say that fucker hurt me. Mm-hmm. I think there's a special place in hell for people who create that environment again for a victim, knowing that their negligence caused it to happen in the first place. I agree. Ali Raisman was in the car at the time, and she can also recall this event and has spoken about this event. She's like, she remembers it as the girls would talk about the abuse and justify it. He's a doctor. He knows what he's doing. Or maybe he has no idea what he's doing. Maybe he doesn't know that that's touching us funny or that's uncomfortable for us. And they both, Raisman and Maroney, say about the unidentified older gymnast that they don't blame her. They think she was probably confused too and abused as well. She had to have been. And that she couldn't face it. Face it or fathom that that had happened to her too. No, absolutely not. It makes 100% sense. I think every fucking person in that car who wasn't silent Mm -hmm. was an abused child. And the only other silent person was another abuser. Yep. Maggie Nichols made the national team at 15 and was a front runner for the Olympic team. At the Caroli Ranch in 2015, she was abused by Nasser. She asked friend and fellow athlete, Allie Raisman about the abuse, who confirmed that it happened to her as well. This conversation was overheard by Nichols' home coach, Sarah Jancy, who called Nichols' mother and Rhonda Fain, the USA GVP and head of the women's program. Technically, she too should have been a mandatory reporter. All of them should have been. Within this hierarchy that USAG created, though, she had to report to Fain. Okay. But she did take the extra step of involving Nichols' mother, which rarely happened. Fain reported to Steve Penny, who called Maggie's family the next day. 
saying that USAG would handle informing the police, connected them with an internal investigator who looked at workplace sexual harassment, and repeatedly assured them at events, quote, don't worry about Maggie, we've got Maggie. almost cried when I heard her dad say that yeah. in the documentary. I hate the, I hated that part. Maggie's entire story is just heartbreaking. I can't believe I went to school at the same place she did, and I feel so fucking honored mm-hmm. to be an OU student whenever she was winning this, like, such esteemed and deserved things for our school. Mm-hmm. And I hate everything that she went through, but I have so much just, like, probably unrealistic and undeserved alumni support with her. Thank you for coming here and having a spot where you can fucking thrive in a healthy way because that's what you've always fucking deserved. And it's not just OU pride or like Oklahoma pride, (sighs) but it's also... She still does it. She still has her sport. You know what I mean? But looking at a survivor and saying, look at what you overcame and look at... We'll get into what she's done since a little bit more later, but it's just beautiful. She's probably one of the most inspiring women I've ever, ever heard about. Me too. In terms of what she's overcome and continues to do for herself. Going into the Olympic trials, Maggie tore her meniscus at the ranch and needed surgery. At the same time, Penny was denying Nichols opportunities, like appearing in a Hershey's commercial with Simone Files, and forbidding her family from publicly discussing Nasser's abuse at risk of jeopardizing an FBI investigation that took him five weeks to report and in which the FBI took no action. Why? Why would the FBI not investigate that? They just didn't. At the Olympic trials, for the first time, her family was not followed or interviewed like most of the families of Olympic hopefuls. Despite being ranked sixth at Olympic trials, she was not picked as one of the five members or three alternates to go to the 2016 Olympics in Rio de Janeiro. So she got six and there's eight spots and she got none of them. Yep. Cool. It's speculated that this is due to her reporting. It was 100% due to her fucking reporting. They knew before she went in there she wasn't going to make the team. Why else would they not follow her family? No, you said earlier that people knew what it meant to report what happened on the camp. And I think that's probably one of the most truthful things we'll ever understand without any understanding of this atmosphere. You know what I mean? And the reason that her family and her like went along with it for so long was because a they've never been part of a child sex abuse police investigation i hope most people can say that when people of authority are telling you not to say anything or else you're going to ruin an fbi investigation into the man that hurt your daughter you're not going to fucking say anything it's intimidation is what it is exactly and it worked yeah so usa gymnastics is not the only institution, as I mentioned kind of earlier, that ignored reports of Larry Nassar's abuse and also could have removed him from positions that directly put him treating and abusing athletes. Right. So Michigan State University coaches, staff, and other universities reportedly knew of the allegations against Nasser. Individuals said they warned coaches, trainers, and other officials about his misconduct right before he was fired in 2016, at least in 1988, 2000, and 2014. Anthony Thompson-Lopez is an MSU softball player who reported sex abuse at the hands of Larry Nasser to three different athletic trainers in 1998 before meeting with Destiny Techner-Hawk, an athletic training supervisor. Quote, she brushed me off and made it seem like I was crazy. She made me feel like I was crazy. That's horrible. In 2014, a Title IX investigation into Nasser, after a recent MSU graduate reported that she had visited his clinic for hip pain and he massaged her breasts and vaginal area and he appeared to be sexually aroused as he did so. No. But the university closed the investigation in July 2014 
after a three-month investigation, and MSU police and Ingham County prosecutors declined to bring charges. MSU concluded that she hadn't understood the, quote, nuanced difference between sexual assault and an appropriate medical procedure. And this was after the university consulted with four different experts in athletic training, all of whom had close ties to Nassar and MSU. She went on to sue the university in 2016. She went? Yeah. Hell yeah, she did. Olivia Cohen, a former athlete and mother of two, said during Nassar's hearing, quote, I'd like to take a moment to comment on MSU's board of trustees and President Simon. It sickens me that for 16 months, you allowed children to see Larry Nassar under your guidance while he was under criminal investigation. Where were you when we needed you? Yeah, shame on him. No Michigan State officials attended the hearing. The Department of Education, the NCAA, and the House Oversight Committee all ultimately opened investigations into MSU. So all in all, at least 125 criminal complaints and 300 civil suits were ultimately brought up against Nassar. Most of these victims were minors, and on several instances, the abuse occurred with the athlete's parents in the room and Nasser's body position obscuring where his hands were placed and what he was doing. Although most of Nasser's accusers were athletes, one family friend said that Nasser abused her for six years from ages six to 12 in the basement of his home. That is horrifying and really sad. So after the Indiana Star article came out about USA Gymnastics really neglecting to take care of their athletes and allowing sexual predators to be around them, Rachel Denhollander reached out to the publication the same morning, and she told the story of her abuse at the hands of Nasser, and then went on to file a criminal complaint with Michigan State University Police on August 29, 2016. She alleged that Nasser abused her in 2000 when she was 15. She sought treatment for lower back pain at his sports treatment clinic at MSU. Yeah. And said that without gloves, he digitally penetrated her vagina and anus, and on another visit, unhooked her bra and massaged her breasts while having a visible erection. She went on to say, quote, he's the type of person who knows how to make you want to trust him. There's a reason he's risen to this place of prominence. And honestly, part of what grieves me so much is that he has everything he needs to be an incredible leader. He has the personality, he has the skill, he has the knowledge, and he's using it to prey on people. Children. What a waste. Yeah. When she attempted to report, she was told no one else was saying these things about Nasser, and she was cautioned about the ramifications of speaking out. So Den Hollander's filing was closely followed by a phone call from gymnast Jessica Howard, who corroborated Den Hollander's claims with similar ones, but yeah. was not willing to be identified at the time, even as a Jane Doe. There. And then was followed by Janie Dancher's lawsuit as a Jane Doe on September 8th also alleging abuse at the hands of Nasser with the knowledge of USA Gymnastics and other coaches and other types of abuse that she endured. She faced intense abuse online from former colleagues. USAG lawyers called her ex-boyfriends trying to find out about her sexual history in order to use it against her. And Den Hollander recalls this period as most of the time she was too physically sick to eat and she lost a lot of weight. On November 22nd- Isn't Nasser she the attorney? Yes, she is a lawyer. I was just saying, I can't imagine coming forward as a lawyer with all of that mm -hmm. and being too sick to eat yeah. and this being like something you know in and out mm -hmm. and you still being that sick. Yeah. I think a lot of people can be like, well, it's the unknowns. No, even when you know it's coming, it's just a sickening and uncertain because you don't have anything guaranteed. Right. And she talks about like how she also knew from her background and also her time in the USAG community and the MSU community that people who came forward with claims like this were ridiculed and shamed and blamed and right. faced horrible treatment. Yeah. She knew what was coming. Along with Dancher, she also faced 
significant harassment and threats online. Yeah. On November 22nd, 2016, Nasser was charged with three counts of first degree sexual assault with a person under 13. He pled not guilty and was released on a $1 million bail. At this time, there were about 50 complaints against him. Nasser initially denied every claim and in interviews with Detective Andrea Munford is seen deflecting questions with humor, such as, oh, that was about 30 pounds ago, must have been the 90s, or using medical terms, even when unnecessary, to answer very simple questions. He's often really condescending, explaining things to her as, you wouldn't understand this, you don't need to know all that, or things happened, quote, because of the way medicine is now. No. I did take one quote from him, just so you can see how ridiculous he sounds. He said, the sacrotuberous ligament, it runs from the pubic symphysis, the, falci the falciform process. It runs, it's like the pelvic floor. Okay, you couldn't understand all this stuff. Detective Munford, I'm going to use her fucking name. Detective Munford later said it didn't matter that she couldn't understand the medicine. He still couldn't give her an explanation on why those specific body parts would require to be touched to treat certain injuries. Why these injuries would require him to molest girls if we really want to put it in plain terms. Right. He also condescended to her at one point that when you're a guy, sometimes you just get an erection. No. To which she replied, well, you get an erection when you're aroused. Right. She ultimately did a trash pull in which the police found several hard drives with his name and phone number written on them that contained child pornography. What a dumbass. So he eventually pled guilty to 10 counts of criminal sexual assault in Michigan. In December of 2016, federal prosecutors added charges of possession of child pornography after finding 37,000 explicit images in his possession. In February of 2017, an additional charge was added for destroying a computer that contained images of child pornography. His July 2017 plea deal for pleading guilty to three counts of child pornography allowed him to avoid way more serious charges related to accusations that he molested children in his home and in his pool, and that he traveled interstate and internationally with the intent to molest girls and sexually assaulting girls. In April 2017, Nasser's medical license was revoked for at least three years and requiring him to pay a $100,000 fine before reapplying. Wow. A federal judge sentenced him to 60 years in prison, the maximum prosecutors asked for in December 2017, for his possession of child pornography. Nasser entered several plea deals throughout the fall of 2017 before he went to trial in Ingham County. So that's kind of the big criminal case that we all know about. It was for child porn? No. Oh. Child porn was done federally. The Ingham County gotcha. criminal yeah. trial is kind of the one that made the most headlines. It's where all of the survivors were able to speak okay. out. Got gotcha. you. Angela Povalidis was the assistant attorney general for the state of Michigan, and she became the lead prosecutor on the case. Den Hollander remembers her saying, in reference to all of the statements against Nasser, quote, I will take them all and I will fight for every single one of them. That's amazing. She made sure every survivor was okay with his plea deal that he took. Yeah, that's incredible. And as part of that plea deal, he had to listen to as many survivors as wanted to give an impact statement. That's incredible. His trial was supposed to last four days with 88 impact victim statements, and instead it lasted seven days with 156 victim impact statements, including, I tried to include all of the names yeah. that I could find online and in the documentary. Okay. Amanda Tomashow, Loris Boyce, Simone Biles, Allie Raisman, Gabby Douglas, Gina Nichols, who is Maggie's mom, who read her statement for her, stating that Maggie was too busy being a full-time student and an athlete for the University of Oklahoma. Fuck yeah, she was. She said, 
She has enough time for this. No. Kyle Stevens was the family friend who accused Nasser of sexual abuse from ages 6 to 12. This began in 1998 and continued, quote, every other week for five years. Is he the boy? She. Oh. Or you said there was a boy? Yeah, a male athlete. Oh, got you. An athlete. Yeah, this is the only non-athlete, the little girl. She said Nasser would masturbate in front of her, rub his penis on her bare feet, and insert his fingers into her vagina. The end of her statement, she said, quote, Little girls don't stay little forever. They grow into strong women that return to destroy your world. Facts. Other moving testimonies included Donna Markham, who was the mother of Chelsea Markham. Chelsea was molested by, by Nasser with Donna in the room when she was 10 years old. Chelsea committed suicide when she was 23. Oh my God, that's so sad. Part of what Gina Nichols read, Maggie Nichols' mom, her statement, said, quote, Up until now, I was identified as Athlete A by USA Gymnastics, the United States Olympic Committee, and Michigan State University. I want everyone to know he did not do this to Athlete A. He did it to Maggie Nichols. Yeah, that gave me goosebumps. He was sentenced to 175 years in prison from the Ingham County Courts after receiving what has been known as the tongue lashing of the century from Judge Rosemary Aquilina. She had to read a letter from him in which he accused her of wanting media attention for the trial and said about survivors, quote, hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. He was then prosecuted in Eaton County where he was sentenced to 125 years in prison. He was held in an Arizona federal prison before being moved to an Oklahoma City Federal Transfer Center after being assaulted in the federal prison. Wow. And I had any sympathy. Oh, I know. It's all gone. It's wild. It's weird that I'm missing. My fucks have run out for Larry Nasser. <laughs> in August of 2018, Nasser filed motions in the state courts seeking new sentences in Ingham and Eaton counties. Nasser also filed a motion to have Judge Aquilina disqualified from the Ingham County case, which was denied. Good. He really had a vendetta against her. Which is funny because she didn't do anything. No. He did. Yeah. He was just humiliated. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know how to be humiliated by a woman. Exactly. And she did it. He knows how to victimize women. Which is why it's so inspiring that she ripped his letter up. That the judge was a woman, a powerful woman. The right. prosecutor was a powerful woman. The detective who questioned him was a powerful woman. And every single one of his survivors, with one exception, was a powerful woman. And he was a powerful man. Well, he wasn't. He was a fucking the, the, I'm sorry. I should clarify. Every single one of his survivors was a powerful woman, except his one male survivor who was a powerful man. Right. On August 22nd, his sentencing appeal of his child pornography cases were also denied. Good. Nasser and his wife separated after he was arrested, and Stephanie Nasser was granted a divorce in July 2017. He now has full custody of her three children. Good. Remember Stephen Penny? I remember him, yeah. There was a congressional hearing into United States and gymnastics in which Steve Penny invoked his Fifth Amendment rights to not answer any questions asked of him by members of Congress. And it also came up during his trial that he attempted to cultivate relationships with investigators, even offering a security job to one FBI member. Just so transparent. On October 17, 2018, the United States Marshal Smoky Mountain Fugitive Task Force arrested Stephen Penny. Incredible. He's alleged to have tampered with evidence during the investigation of the sexual assaults of Larry Nasser. And the indictment further alleges that Penny ordered the removal of documents from the Caroli Ranch that were related to the activities of Nasser. Nope. He's still awaiting trial. He faces punishment of two to ten years in prison and up to a $10,000 fine. He is permanently ineligible from participating with USA Gymnastics or similar organizations. 
So William Strample was Nasser's former boss and the former dean of MSU's College of Osteopathic Medicine. Okay. He was charged with crimes related to sexual misconduct and abuse of power. Oh, my God. Including sexually assaulting, verbally abusing, and soliciting new photos from female students. Nope. As well as misdemeanor charges for willful neglect of duty in failing to properly supervise Nasser or enforce what is proper medical protocol. In 2019, he was convicted of a felony charge of misconduct in office for making sexually charged comments to women who sought help from him and two misdemeanor counts of willful neglect of duty for his failure to properly supervise Nasser. So his attorneys are arguing the felony charge, mm -hmm. saying that the office of Dean of the College of Medicine did not meet the criteria to be a public office in Michigan because the legislature did not create this position and Stramble did not report directly to MSU's board of trustees. And they say that's two requirements for the law. He appealed the felony charge in 2021 and he lost the appeal. Shocking. I think that should be the trend. Mm -hmm. Don Gaddert, the coach we talked about so much, was charged on February 21st, 2021 with 14 counts of human trafficking, forced labor resulting in injury, six counts of human trafficking of a minor for forced labor. Holy shit. And one count each of continuing criminal enterprise, first degree criminal sexual conduct, second degree criminal sexual conduct, and lying to a peace officer during a violent crime investigation. He was given the opportunity to turn himself in to the Eaton County's Sheriff Department, but Michigan State Police Troopers found his body in his car at a rest area off the I-96. He had killed himself by gunshot. What a coward. Yeah. So the aftermath of all of this. Yeah. On January 25th, 2018, the Caroli Ranch announced the permanent closure of the facility on its website. Five days later, the Texas Ranger Division took over the criminal investigation of the ranch. The entire USA Gymnastics Board resigned following allegations of being negligent of and mishandling Nasser's abuse and sexual abuse in general. Yeah. On November 5th, 2018, the United States Olympic Committee announced that it was starting the process to decertify USA Gymnastics as the national governing body for gymnastics at the Olympic level. A month later, USAG filed for bankruptcy. MSU agreed to a $500 million settlement, the largest amount of money in history, settled by a university for a sexual abuse case. That's insane. Yeah. MSU president, Lou Anna Simon, stepped down hours after Nasser's sentencing. Good. And she stated, as tragedies are politicized, blame is inevitable. As president, it is only natural that I am the focus of this anger. What a dumb bitch. No, you're not even almost the focus. You're yeah. someone who could have intervened and you failed to do that. And so now you're being held accountable. Exactly. And deal with it and own your shit. Own your shit. The U.S. Department of Justice is currently investigating USA Gymnastics, the United States Olympic Committee, and the FBI for their handling of this case of Larry Nasser. That's pathetic. I want to know why they handle it so poorly, too. Me, too. On October 31st, 2020, do I have to call him the president? Who? Trump. He's not. He was at the time. You can just say Donald Trump. Cool. Donald Trump signed the Empowering Olympic, Paralympic, and Amateur Athletes Act into law introduced uh, about a year earlier by a Kansas Republican Senator, Jerry Moran, and co-sponsored by Connecticut Democratic Senator, Richard Blumenthal. It received bipartisan support and passed unanimously in the House of Representatives. Under the new bill, athletes gain a greater protection from abuse, including sexual abuse, by coaches and employees in U.S. Olympic and Paralympic sports in addition to greater representation in decision-making roles. Good. To date, over 500 survivors, including nine Olympians, 
have come forward about abuse at the hands of Larry Nassar. John Manley, the Nichols family personal lawyer, I think said it best, quote, for most of these girls, this is their first sexual experience. When you take away the ability to love and to express love from somebody, to take it away and damage it, it profoundly affects their psyche. And at the end of the day, that's really what he did. He stole that part of them and they're all struggling to get it back. More than 140 survivors of Nasser's abuse appeared on stage together at the Microsoft Theater in LA on July 18th, 2018 to receive the Arthur Ashe Award for Courage oh, at the 2018 SB Awards. That's beautiful. Gymnasts Sarah Klein and Allie Raisman and softball player Tiffany Thomas-Lopez, who reported him to MSU in 1988, yeah. accepted the award on the survivor's behalf and served as the spokeswoman. Klein identified herself as Nasser's first victim 30 years before. In 2018, Maggie Nichols became the NCAA National All-Around Champion. She won again in 2019. Of course she did. I think it's incredible that she's still a gymnast I do too. and takes pride in it because that's hers. Mm -hmm. And I know she's not allowed to be included in it per her agreement, but Michaela Maroney is one of those people too, even yeah. though she can't be on stage publicly. She spoke in an interview with NBC and it was really beautifully done. And they mentioned her smirk and she was like, yeah, I make that face constantly and I can't get away from that one picture. <laughs> that's my USA Gymnastics story. Holy shit. I'm so happy you did that. You did so good. Oh my God. I'm so happy it's over. Me too. Did you know that Larry Nasser's ex-wife, Stephanie, mm -hmm. was a physician's assistant and referred one of the victims to him when she was abused? No. Her name was Elena Baumfield. Oh my God. And she was like, Stephanie was listed, the ex-wife, in a federal lawsuit. But I don't know how that ended or if it's still being litigated. That's horrific. Yeah, but she was married to him at the time. Still. I can't imagine, A, how many signs you miss or ignore and are beating yourself up for missing or ignoring, but also having to come to terms with the fact that the father of your three children and two daughters... That's horrible. ...abused 500 people at least yeah. and had 37,000 explicit child pornography images and sent videos of him abusing children to USA Gymnastics to prove that it was actual medical procedures that he was doing. For me as well, I can't imagine being the mother to three kids, having a home with somebody, and then finding out that in my house that I had my family kids were victimized. Exactly. And then again, if even assuming she didn't know anything, mm -hmm. I don't know how valid that is or even how likely, mm -hmm. but even assuming for a moment, she really was completely unaware and blindsided. I can't imagine ever trusting myself again. I'd be like, I don't know. I have cameras everywhere. Yeah. Not to be creepy, but to just like, watch my kids almost and just make sure like there weren't adults with them in rooms by themselves really you know what i mean those poor kids those poor fucking children like oh my god i can't imagine anything worse than being no. a relative of his frankly yeah how embarrassing and humiliating they don't have any accountability for his actions but like what a literal how how blindsided you must feel at the very least is his children oh my god you can't ask who your father is either yeah that's horrible well thank you for listening to me oh my god thank you for deep diving into the usa gymnastics debacle what a monster it was a bit of a monster you did great if you have suggestions for future episodes, you can email us at traffickedinamericapodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on our Instagram at traffickedpodcast or our Twitter at traffickedpod. Bye. Thanks.